I do have this memory of a megaphone though. Uh, there, there, there was a guy who I passed him and he's like, come on, Jonathan, come on, Jonathan, you can do it. You can do this. You can catch Dakota. Cause I was only a couple minutes behind Dakota oh, and yeah. I was chasing him at that point. Like you can do this, Jonathan, you can get him, you can get him. And he like cheering me on like as I was hiking uphill. And then I get five or six switchbacks up the, up the trail. And then he pulls out his megaphone and he says the same thing. <laughs> come on, Jonathan, come on, Jonathan, you can do it, you can do it. And I was like, this guy is going all out. He like, she was cheating, already got it. He like did his job. He cheered me on for, for a minute or two back there. And now he gets his megaphone out to keep going. <laughs> Welcome to the Gotta Run Racing Podcast with your hosts, Norman and Jody. Discover the inspiring stories of the average and not so average runners. And they're off. Hello, hello. Hey, we are back with another Gotta Run Racing podcast. Yes, we are. We've been busy bees the last couple weeks because yeah. there's been some amazing results from ultras. And we're going to just continue our Havelina series coming up. So who's on the podcast today? Well, today we have Jonathan Ray. He's a 31-year-old professional runner from Boulder, Colorado, sponsored by Hoka. And he's racking up his golden tickets. This is the third one that he's just earned at Havelina a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> where he broke the course record with a time of 12 hours and 43 minutes. He won Bandera in 2022, and he placed second at last year's Havelina. So he earned two golden tickets in the same year. Crazy talk. Yeah, I wonder if that's ever happened before. Well, I don't know. <laughs> 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 to actually accept two tickets in one year because people have won golden tickets, but it passes on, right? Yeah, usually. But he accepted both because he wants to get back to Western States. Hmm. I wonder where he's putting all these tickets. Yeah, they're pretty big. They don't exactly fit in your back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll chat with him about all of this. Plus his first international race at CCC just a couple of months ago. And we're going to talk about all this and more. Here's Jonathan coming up. Welcome to the podcast, Jonathan, and big congrats on your third golden ticket that you just achieved two weeks ago at Havelina. <laughs> Thanks so much. Yeah, glad to be here. Great to meet you too. And yeah, I'm really happy to have gotten the golden ticket. Proud of it. It doesn't, it doesn't feel any smaller than the first one. So. <laughs> we were wondering in the in our intro, where do you put them all? But... <laughs> You should put it on your back wall there. It's a perfect spot. <laughs> That's true. They're, they're, on the, they're on the back wall of a different room. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> uh, researching your name, do you know that you're, you have a very famous name? Oh, I, I don't know how famous. Uh, well, the, the guy who actually... I know I know there's a motorcycle racer yes. with, with my name. <laughs> so if you Google my name, you get, you get a motorcycle racer. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're on the 10th page of Google, but he's on the first nine pages. <laughs> Some, someday he'll know who I am. <laughs> exactly. I think uh, I did see you've, you've actually interviewed one of my coworkers, Meg Morgan. Oh, really? Yeah. She got a golden ticket at Black Canyon earlier this year and then yeah. got top 10 in the Western States. Right. So right. she's, had, she's had a good year too. Yeah, she sure did. Oh, nice. interesting. Yeah. That's a small world. <laughs> yeah. And I saw you guys, you guys have the, you guys have the podcast and then you also direct a few events. Do you also do other things? 
we used to have a running store in our town so that was my full-time gig and we sold it just before the pandemic so i'm semi-retired i just started a, a part-time job not that long ago but yeah we keep busy <laughs> that's good been yeah. staying up late night nights for this <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh it's worth it <laughs> and we interview so many people in uh mountain or or pacific time it's amazing <laughs> Yep, there's a lot of chill running out here. Sure yeah, is. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, one day we'll get to Boulder. <laughs> You've never been. No. Well, we I raced Leadville. It's how close is Leadville to Boulder? Two hour drive. Two hour. Okay. There you go. You'll get to Leadville one day, right? <laughs> That's definitely one of the races I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> my my coach is pushing me to do it too. So someday. It's hard to do in the same year as Western states. <laughs> They're a little bit close together. Yeah, for sure. Your first ultra race in 2015, the uh, Golden Gate Dirty 30 50K. I love that name. I know. (laughs) When you first did that race, was Western States on your mind at that time? No, I don't think I knew of Western States, at least like what what level it was. When I got into running, I guess I I knew that 100 mile races existed and that was a reason to to start running. But the distinction between a big city marathon like Chicago or like the Denver marathon, I didn't, sure, Chicago's probably bigger, but like, I don't know. <laughs> Similar, and even for trail races too, I didn't really know what the big races were, or the small races were, but that was the local one. And to me, it was a big deal because Anton Krupichka had run the Dirty 30, oh, okay. I think two years before, before me. So, so I thought it was a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when you first heard about Western? I don't. I don't have like a, this is where I was and, and when, but but I do remember just knowing that 100 mile races existed. It was probably within the first couple of books that I had read to inspire me to start thinking about the sport. Yeah, I was wondering if you knew Scott Jerk at the time, because that's obviously he was Mr. Western. Or... Yeah, not... not personally. I was still at the stage of he would do a meet and greet event at the mountaineering store in Golden, Colorado. And I, w- I showed up to that and got my picture taken with him because I was a fan, <laughs> but not definitely not a peer. <laughs> and now he, now he works eight stations at Western, so. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's given me rice balls before during a race. Sweet. <laughs> that was awesome. That was, that was a highlight from this year. <laughs> well, speaking of this year and your first Western, what would you say was the big biggest difference between the two other than this year obviously the snow must have been a huge factor but for your experience in your race strategy what was your what was the big takeaway from the two yeah so i've done western states twice glad to have a third chance now and i wish i would have gotten top 10 to not need a golden ticket but golden (laughs) ticket races are definitely good ones and fun but yeah the snow was different and it was a lot colder Mm. um in 2022 I think it touched 100 degrees or right below it, maybe only 98 or something like that. Mm. And then this year it was only low 80s. Wow. So that made it a lot easier. So I carried a lot less ice. And so it should have been a way faster year, mm-hmm. but was for me. But I don't think I realized that there's actually strategy implications of it being hotter or colder. Mm-hmm. The hotter it is, the more likely that people are going to drop off later in the race. Right. And so a conservative race strategy, I think, works better in hot years. 
but this year it was really cool and i was way too conservative with my race strategy that i was like really trying to prevent making any big mistakes and so i like ran fine nothing went wrong there were no highs no lows i kind of just like ran through the whole way start to finish at slow comfortable pace but that didn't work this year because it was cool and you needed to run fast it wasn't just a, a play defense kind of year and avoid making big mistakes it was uh, you have to run fast this year and so i i learned that now i know it now but uh, <laughs> but i made but i made mistakes on on both sides in the first year going a little too fast and then i think like a hydration mistake it took in too much salt and that caused gi distress later on in the race so i crashed while so i started off really well but crashed in the second half of 2022 and then this year yeah i just started off slow and conservatively and just didn't want to make any mistakes and i never did but i also never ran fast so (laughs) (laughs) well that's interesting because now you've seen both sides of the coin so you can make some alterations for this year or next year next year yeah yeah we'll see how many sides of that coin there are (laughs) (laughs) You know, maybe it'll land on the edge and we'll be, I'll be surprised again, but, uh, I've definitely learned things both times. So hopefully I can apply it. Yeah, for sure. And then this year you you took on CCC. How did you get into CCC? That was through desert rats. Um, that was a pretty local race in Colorado that I actually had done before and went back to again, but it was, it became a UTMB race. I think this, this year was the first year that it was a UTMB race, mm-hmm. but I got second place there. I was meant to run the 100K, but there was a big rainstorm the night before, and it's oh. out in the desert. It doesn't handle rain very well. So they actually canceled the 100K and had us run a 50K, but at a separate time than the original 50K. Yeah. So it was like a weird separate 50K race. Anyways, I got second place in that race, and that got me entry into CC. We chatted to the winner, Arden Young. A Canadian won the women's race, and we chatted with her. That's right. And that's how we know about this. <laughs> yeah, that because it was delayed for hours, right, or a full day, or the next day. Yeah, well, they they put yeah they we ran it the second the next day, oh. so we were supposed to race on a Friday. I did my whole warm up and went back to the start line, and we were all everyone was huddled under oh. under a tent on the start line and then five minutes before the race was supposed to start they said we're not running today oh my gosh <laughs> we'll figure out what we're gonna do tomorrow <laughs> that's crazy so it was it was still possible that we were gonna run the next day the same 100k course but i think the logistics of volunteers and aid stations probably and buses and things probably meant that it was just easier for them to have us run on the same course as the 50k that was running on saturday right. and ccc was nice to honor that as well knowing that this happened and they still accepted you oh right right right. yeah that was actually a big stress on friday and i was thankful for hoka advocating for myself and a couple of other hoka athletes who were in the race that we had confirmation on friday afternoon that they would honor it as if it were a 100k race even though it wasn't so for qualification purposes we knew going into that race that if we got top three, then we would get auto entry to CCC. So oh, that's good. That was that was nice to know ahead of time, or else maybe I would have been dropping out of it and trying to get into the canyons or yeah. doing something strange. But mm. it worked out. <laughs> now that was your, if I'm not mistaken, that was your first international race. So what did you think of the whole European racing culture? 
Oh man. Well, I don't know if I can generalize to all of Europe if UTMB CCC is my only experience. But, <laughs> you know, I like get off the bus and I walk my suitcase through town to the place I'm staying on the far side. And I'm just, wow, every single person here is here because of trail running. It was like being on a, a college campus that was doing a summer camp for a sports Yep. like a basketball camp or a baseball <laughs> camp or something like that, that I'd been to in, in high school. Yeah. It was just crazy. How many people were there? Like, Oh my goodness, this is definitely the center of the universe of trail running. <laughs> For sure. And, uh, and it was definitely overwhelming. Like I CCC, like there are so many pro runners in that race. <laughs> it just felt from a racing standpoint, I didn't feel like I had a chance. I felt like I could have a good day and I would be at 50 plus place. Like I would just be irrelevant from the, a competitive standpoint. And that was like big fear or concern that I had while being there. I was like, what's the, what's even the point if I'm not even in the race, really? I'm like, I'm, effectively, it would have felt like being a mid backer. So that's what I was ex expecting. Right. And then I was also intimidated by all the news about having be a fast start. The Europeans all race off the start line yep. and in the u.s we have this gentleman start where everyone just jogs and has a nice conversation for the first 20 <laughs> mile, 20 miles or so so that scared me that we were gonna have to run fast at the beginning that there were so many good runners and then also that they would all hike really hard up the down up the uphills and then just run super hard on the downhills and it just felt like it was going to be a hectic crazy really really stressful event <laughs> So I was, I was not comfortable and feeling like, oh yeah, I'm here to show up and do amazing things. I was just intimidated by it. But you did okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I like <laughs> tried to remind myself what really matters to me is the effort that I give. And if I'm in 50th place or first place or 5,000th place, whatever, I do care about doing my best. And that's what makes me proud at the finish line. And I feel like in past in the past in other races where I haven't been as competitive that I've just like lost a bit of competitive edge. Someone passes me and I'll be like, ah, good for them. <laughs> uh, or <laughs> or I'll, I could try to catch someone else, but it doesn't really feel worth it if it's not a really important placement. Mm -hmm. But I told myself going into CCC that I would care about every place. I would be a competitor. And so those two things that I really wanted to be a competitor and I wanted to do my best set me up well to to actually like just try extremely hard and so i think during during the race i just like went into this state of focus where i was just trying really hard for as long as i've ever tried and yeah that became a great outcome getting fourth place at ccc was definitely a breakthrough for me way exceeded my expectations and so that really changed how i thought i could run internationally Absolutely. As a, as a professional runner in the future. For sure. One thing I think that North American, and I think we will, North American races should adopt from the European style is when you go through a, an area of a, a village or a town that everybody comes out and makes as much noise as possible, right? How exciting was that? <laughs> it was insane. Yeah. I think that was the other thing that I experience that I didn't expect to the fast start and being in the front was so so valuable because the crowds I don't well, I don't know maybe I'm wrong and the crowds came out and were just as loud for everyone 
in the middle of the race also, but I felt- You can ask him. <laughs> is it true? That would have happened anyways? Okay, okay. All right, so there's no extra benefits. Cause I just felt like every person I'm passing on the trail or every town I'm going through, everyone's like stopping and turning their heads and cheering me yep. on. And that feels like special attention because I'm leading, I'm like running towards the front and that's like feeding off and giving me good energy. But that's good info to know if they do that for everybody, then actually that's not a benefit of being in the front and it would just be a good experience <laughs> well, no matter what. I did, I did the full UTMB this year. Wow. And I was, I was going through towns at two or three o'clock in the morning. Everybody's out. Everybody's out with a beer and a pizza and, and you could just grab and go, grab and go with, without even going in the aid station. You're, you're ready. You're already, you're already fed. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. But what I want to know is, did you have the guy with the chainsaw chasing you just, just when Courtney was up there, when we watched that video, is, is that a chainsaw? I didn't, I didn't see a chainsaw. I do have this memory of a megaphone though. Uh, there, there, there was a guy who I passed him and he's like, come on, Jonathan, come on, Jonathan, you can do it. You can do this. You can catch Dakota. Cause I was only a couple minutes behind Dakota oh, and yeah. I was chasing him at that point. Like you can do this, Jonathan, you can get him, you can get him. And he like cheering me on, like as I was hiking uphill and then I get five or six switchbacks up the, up the trail. And then he pulls out his megaphone and he says the same thing. <laughs> come on, Jonathan, come on, Jonathan, you can do it, you can do it. And I was like, this guy is going all out. He like, she was cheating, already got it. He like did his job. He cheered me on for, for a minute or two back there. And now he gets his megaphone out to keep going. <laughs> yeah. Super fan. Awesome. Right it is incredible. I love it. <laughs> Would you say that CCC was your most challenging ultra to date with the, the terrain and the elevation and all that? I think so with the competition, the terrain, the level of stress, but I, I don't know. I think I was physically and mentally prepared enough and I like focused that it didn't feel the hardest in the moment. Okay. Um, I've had other harder experiences and I think races that haven't gone as well and those end up feeling harder because they don't go as well. But that makes sense because yeah, like I was just in a really awesome focused flow state for a lot of CCC. So hmm. from that perspective, it was like almost one of the easiest races. <laughs> was, I didn't have to think that hard. There was no doubting. There was no major problems. It was just, I'm going to try as hard as I can right now. Right. And then an hour later, I'm telling myself, I'm going to try as hard as I can right now. Hmm. And so that was really, really simple. Yeah, that makes sense. If you, if your mindset is there, it'll be easy. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So do you, do you see yourself stepping up to UTMB one day? Definitely someday. I do think I need a little more mountain experience. I think the, the morning start and the length of time of CCC felt pretty familiar. Mm -hmm. So that made it an incremental step up from what I've done before. Right. But doing a night start and the length of time that it takes to do well at UTMB means I would, I think I need a little more experience mm. and maybe that would happen at UTMB or maybe it'll happen at other hundred mile races. Right. I've done, I've done run rabbit run and don't feel like I've done that race very well, even though mm. I've done it a couple of times. And that took me, I guess, as long as I would hope to take at UTMB. It took me 23 hours as my first hundred mile race that I did. Right. Mm. Hopefully that's the right amount of time, but, uh, <laughs> but it's not as difficult. And so I think I need to do a little bit more difficult mountain stuff to prepare before I'm ready for UTMB. So I don't, I don't think I would do it next year, but maybe within a couple of years. 
Yeah. It's not going anywhere. No. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to get your take on the whole, if you've been following the controversy the past couple of weeks with, of course, Gary Robbins' race in Whistler and the Iron Man machine. Yeah. I, I don't feel particularly informed. So my mind is open to being changed for sure. I'm definitely sad. It seems, it seems like they effectively stole the race from Gary and that was a terrible move and basically was living out the fears that a lot of people have that they're just going to push out local races. And Mm -hmm. I definitely don't want that overall with UTMB, I suppose in the last year or so, I've I've thought that it's useful consolidation. I want to be playing a professional sport where it's clear what races to I should do and what good performances are. Right. If you play professional basketball, there's one league that you want to make it into, and there's one set of games that matter the most. And everyone knows that if you're playing in the European League or you're playing in a developmental league, you can win a championship, but it doesn't mean the same thing as winning a championship in the NBA. <laughs> right. And so it's a clear point of view. It's a clear focus and it's like a clear measuring stick to know your value and how well you're doing. Mm-hmm. Whereas the dispersed nature of trail running has always been a little confusing to me. It's hard to choose races. Yeah. I want to do this because it's an awesome course or because I've heard good things about the crowds or the race. The organization is really great. And those are all reasons that I would want to do races. But from a professional competition standpoint, it's more confusing that it's hard to compare someone ran this time at Leadville 100 and mm-hmm. someone ran this time at Western States and someone ran this time at Lavaredo. And which one of those is better? Like, how do we compare ourselves? And I want there to be a clear focus and point of view yeah. for the professional side. And so I'm I'm good with there being consolidation and there being a championship or a series that we go for. Mm-hmm. And it's a clear measuring stick, it's a clear purpose. It's you know when you've made it and when you haven't, and you're not just trying to guess at that game. Right. So those were good things that I thought that was happening with UTMB, but I don't think it has to happen with them owning every race. Mm-hmm. And I definitely get a lot of things out of running beyond just the professional side. And if they're going to ruin those other parts of it and for the, for the non-professional runners, if everyone's just like trying to have experiences and personal growth rather than those professional measures and outcomes, then, then yeah, that's a a big red flag and I'm scared for it. So, so I don't know what the right response for it would be. A full on boycott of UTMB races Mm -hmm. would be maybe a large response, but maybe a boycott of UTMB Mitt Whistler would be a reasonable response. Um, But I don't know. I haven't had that many conversations with people about it. I've heard a couple of pieces of commentary. So I'm very open to hearing other people's perspectives including your own, if you have them right now. <laughs> Are you guys doing your own podcast specifically on it? or um... We haven't. We haven't, but we've, we've kind of touched on the fact that we're, we're seeing it from both sides of the coin. So Norm just ran UTMB. I was a spectator. We formed an opinion on that. We're also race directors. So if people didn't support small races like ourselves, then there'd, wow. be, a, there'd be a big problem. Um, there's three sides to every story. And I think what you just touched on is very valid. And, and I've said this before, 
what other sport can you think of where the professionals participate with the everyday runner? I don't want to lose that. I, I would hate to see the outcome of this be, oh, all the professionals are now going to go to this race and the everyday person's not allowed to participate or it's on a separate day, that kind of thing. I would hate to see that happen because the, mm. one of the biggest highlights of our sport is we can line up with you at the start line. In, in fact, I did <laughs> last year at Western States. He stood beside Camille Heron. <laughs> and you. For a, second, for a second or two. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're in, he's in the video. Awesome. I forgot about that. You could probably go out and lead the race for a while, too. <laughs> I led it for two seconds. <laughs> did you? Awesome. No, I've had amazing experiences. It's still an, a shared experience. We're all going through similar things. And some of the best conversations and interactions I've had with people have been with non-elite runners at races. Yeah. And I've, I guess I've been on both sides of that, considering like in my first few ultras, I was not an elite runner. And so I looked up at those other people and I thought it was awesome that I was in the same race as them. <laughs> And now the same way, like I appreciate being out there with all these other people and being able to run fast honestly, usually makes it easier to do the race itself. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more training and preparation in time that I'll put into mm -hmm. it. But if it takes twice as long to do an event, that's probably a lot harder and <laughs> you have to respect that effort a lot more. So I, yeah, I get a lot out of that shared experience for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see what comes of it, but, uh, all right, let's get to the big show. Okay, let's chat Havelina. <laughs> Have you checked out our virtual series yet? We Run the North. Celebrating Canada's national parks features a total of 13 10-kilometer challenges, one for each province and territory. How many national parks can you name? Medals that connect, license plate style bibs, and cool swag can be yours. Visit gotterunracing.com for more details. Uh, we asked this of Blake Slattengren a couple of days ago, the same question we're going to ask you. I don't ever understood in a 100-mile race start where everyone takes off like it's a 5K race. <laughs> so <laughs> did you get caught up in all the hype or did you lead the charge at Havelina? I, I did lead the charge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was the first onto the single track after you run through headquarters and then it's like a quarter mile or so before you hit single track and I was in the lead there. Nice. I knew I wanted to be near the front because last year I think I was in maybe 20th place going onto the single track and it was really dusty. Mm. So I just remember just my headlamp just showing a cloud of dust right in front of my face mm. and just breathing all of that in mm. for the for that section. So I thought it was going to be useful to be near the front. But maybe also I was all geared up from from CCC where we started <laughs> off so, so fast that even starting fast by Havelina standards felt quite comfortable in comparison. So I was like, yeah, we can handle this. We didn't go too crazy. I don't think we were we were running a little under seven minute mile pace, but we weren't running six minute mile pace. So <laughs> so it's definitely a little bit a little bit fast, a little bit in, in focused at the very beginning. But I don't know. It's so much fun. It's like hard to contain that energy and it seems, it seems stupid to spend it, but sometimes you got to have a little fun. We also said, cause we chatted with Blake during the New York marathon and some guy takes off like a bat out of hell to get on camera and then he dies five minutes later. So it's yeah. funny to see if some, if that happened at Havelina, if someone just goes in front just to get on camera. <laughs> 
Yeah, I didn't see anyone do that this year. Okay. <laughs> you would have pushed them aside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it would have been nice. <laughs> I think it would have happened naturally. It wouldn't have had to. Uh, now, how how quickly were you 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 took off in the lead? Did you did you ever get overtaken at any point? I was running step for step with Matt Daniels for the whole first lap, and Ryan Montgomery and a couple other guys also caught up to us. And so we were running with a pack of five or six of us in the second half of the first loop. Mm -hmm. And there are a couple of places where Preston Cates went ahead. And then Matt Daniels and Ryan Montgomery were also leading for a decent bit of, at least the uphill climbs seemed like they would, they would push a little bit more and put a little bit of gap on the rest of the group. And then we would kind of combine again together on slight downhills. Mm -hmm. We were mostly running as a pack and all within inside of each other for that first lap. Right. And then on the, on the second one, we, that pack of five or six runners split up a lot more than I expected to mm -hmm. in the first headquarters transition. So I got out of that aid station. It just like we were no longer a pack. We were all just kind of interspersed and spread out. It's like, okay, well, I guess that was fun. I was hoping we could have two laps worth of running as a pack, but I guess we only get one. It's easy to do because headquarters is huge. You lose track of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Any of us, I suppose, could wait and spend a little extra time in order to get the pack to keep going together. But lost time is is hard to swallow when you're trying to compete. So I went out there running. I didn't push the pace on the beginning of the second lap. I was hoping that a couple guys would catch back up, and Matt Daniels came and caught back up. Mm -hmm. And then he continued. He was running a little bit faster pace in order to catch up, but it seemed like he locked into that faster pace and just stayed there or maybe even increased it. Mm -hmm. So he passed me and we ran together for a little bit during the pass, I suppose, mm -hmm. but then he was ahead for all of lap two okay. and pretty quickly was out of sight. So I was in second place for all of lap two. Mm -hmm. But then I, I got back to the end of lap two, back to headquarters, and I heard that he was throwing up and that was bad news. And I was really sad to hear it because he's so fast and I did a few training runs with him in Boulder. Mm. I think he's one of the best runners in the sport. And if he can put it together on race day, I think that's something special to watch. Mm. So I was, I was hoping that it was going to be the two of us, uh, Boulder runners who are going to come away with the golden tickets. And I did expect him to be faster than me if he had a great day. So I wasn't upset with him being in front of me. I was like, that makes sense. That's fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he was throwing up and so uh partway through lap three is when i was starting to hear people tell me i was in the lead and then stayed there to the finish nice yeah because when you get inside the the main base it gets confusing but was your crew telling you because it's not you never did a washing machine before where you can see someone come towards you no i've only done it in the one in the one direction yeah. so yeah you only you only know if you've passed them during the lap through headquarters but even then it's easily that yeah they're hidden in their tent or something else so yeah my crew is telling me but that was all i had mm. was heat ever a factor for you i know it wasn't super hot this year but still it's hot enough out there there's no shade yeah it was definitely hot enough to be a factor in the section from coyote to jackass takes like an hour mm -hmm. and just, just a long time with no additional cooling. Like I would load up on some ice and dunk myself in water there, but man, yeah, definitely laps three and four, that middle of the lap section, I felt really, really hot to the point where it was hard for me to eat food and I would feel a little nauseous if I ate something. 
and definitely pace slowed down a little bit. Yeah. So I was trying to be very diligent about cooling at aid stations. Mid 80s, I don't know what the exact temperature was, whether it was like 83 or 85 or something like that. That's definitely still hot enough <laughs> to mean like ideal running temperature is what in like the 40s. Yeah. Yep. Maybe for maybe for an ultra it's a little hotter, but I feel like that's the number of I've heard cited before as like the ideal marathon running temperature is in the mid 40s. For sure. And so if it's hot, if it's hotter than that, then that means that you should be doing something to cool off mm-hmm. to get back to that ideal temperature. And so 80 was way hotter than that. Mm. So I think I I definitely wasn't able to eat as much as I wanted to because of the heat. And then it definitely slowed pace a little bit, especially on lap four. I think I lost a a decent amount of time. So I either should have done a little more cooling or I'm not sure what else to to avoid losing quite as much time on lap four. But yeah, definitely hot enough to matter. Now, loop five, correct me if I'm wrong, but was that your fastest lap? I'm not sure if it was faster than lap two. Okay. Uh, And like loop one is a different course yes. that is a couple miles of it that are different so hard to compare right but i i'm not sure if if the fifth one was faster or slower than the second one okay. but it was definitely faster than three and four right by by a good chunk like i, I think it was 234 243 and then 228 okay so i ran a, yeah definitely a lot faster it was definitely a finishing kick like i was <laughs> i was definitely kicking and like effort level went up a lot at that point in the fifth loop, were you actively going after the record or was that just sort of in the back of your mind and just keep maintain your pace and keep the lead and see what happens? I definitely knew what the record time was. And I knew coming into headquarters that all I had to do was run a 245-ish. Maybe it was a, I guess depending on when I entered or when I left mm-hmm. headquarters, maybe I think I had to run a, a 243 okay. last lap which I had just done on loop four, but that felt terrible and was slow. <laughs> so I was like, okay, like, well, I'm slowing down a bit. That wasn't a great, you know, third quarter of the race, mm. but all I have to do is hang on to that to get the course record. Mm. So I definitely still wanted to do that. And it was a motivator. And I thought it was possible that I could screw it up and I was going to slow down even more. <laughs> and I, so I really wanted to make sure that wasn't going to happen. So I wanted the first half of the last loop to be quality effort and a faster pace. So I made sure that happened. Mm-hmm. And then from there it was, well, now that I'm here and I'm halfway through, I guess I might as well try to make it as fast as I can for the second half of this <laughs> loop. <laughs> so I was definitely working extra hard, but I think once the first half of that last loop went well, I was really confident that I was going to get the course record at least. Right. Because I was, I was feeling strong at that point and I knew uh, the time gap was there. Yeah, for sure. Would you go back to Havelina? To defend your title? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think I've had a good enough time there. I'd love to crew some year mm. just to experience that side of it as well. It seems like such a fun event just to be around. But yeah, I think... I think the times will probably get faster within yes. the next couple of years too. I'm gonna ask you that. Everyone, you have to be under thirteen hours now. Yeah, I don't. I'm not surprised by that. That makes sense to me. <laughs> Why wasn't it there before? I don't know. It's just getting a little more competitive. But no, I think times can go significantly faster. Like I ran pretty slow on lap four. I think there's ten minutes out there just from that lap. And if it's a cooler year, then times could definitely go significantly faster. Like people have run. 100 miles way faster than the times at Havelina. Mm. And the course isn't perfect for running a super, super fast time. It's not a track. It's not entirely flat. Yeah. But 
it's not too far off from being able to run pretty fast. So I think, I think it'll go a lot faster. And so maybe that would be my next motivating thing. Like, I don't know if I'll need to go, maybe I'll go back there for another golden ticket if I need to, <laughs> or I could see myself going back there in a, in a couple of years, once that time has been lowered and mm -hmm. the field becomes even better then that's just like a great competitive race. It's a fun one to do. So, mm -hmm. or maybe I would even do something like Hal Kerner, like Hal Kerner was back there running this year, even though like he's, he's won the race before, but he was just a mid packer basically. Oh, I didn't know he ran this yeah. year. It'd be it'd be a fun race to do even as a non-competitive. Yeah, dress up in a in a costume. <laughs> you could have a world yeah, record. I could actually, probably. I could actually, I could actually just wear a costume and totally just do it for the fun. <laughs> but still set a world record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of those gimmicky world records, running a banana suit. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I don't even know what the world record is for a hundred miles in a in a, in a costume. costume. Yeah, I don't know for a hundred miles. I don't know. Yeah, we, in we the know. marathon, I know it's three. It's three hours, around three hours. I think so, <laughs> or maybe less. No, it's got to be less than yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> well, big congrats on Havelina, and now back to Western States. Uh, three times a charm. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, I, I know for sure. I'll try my best. <laughs> yeah. um, I hope. I hope I've learned enough in the last, the last two years. But yeah, nothing's, I'm not taking it for granted. It'll be its own thing. It's a long time from now. So I'm not fully mentally preparing myself from now. I'll keep it at a distance until I really have to really understand the effort that's required to, to do well there. But I've had top 10 at Western States as a career ultra running goal mm -hmm. that I set maybe four years ago. And that's when I decided to get a coach and start being more focused and dedicated towards being a competitive runner. Right. But I think my goal, and that was, that was still somewhat of a goal in the last two years, and it's still career goal, but I think my sights are a little bit higher that I would like to challenge for a podium position for sure. Maybe that's even the better mindset to go for it. And <laughs> if I don't fully succeed, then I could still get the consolation prize of top 10. So maybe that's the thing that I'll, I'll come into it next year, a little more ambitious, where if I'm just trying to get top 10, that's different than really going in and trying to do my absolute best, mm. which is really independent of place or right. time right. Um, because of the conditions of the day. But I want to be, be satisfied that I've gone out there and I've done my absolute best, which I haven't done there yet. <laughs> but I really, really want to. Well, we're going to be watching and, uh, well, we feel that next year is going to be your year. We just bring... <laughs> <laughs> we're cheering for you. We're, we're in sure. your corner. <laughs> thanks, but hey, thanks. we should give a shout out to your coach. Yeah, my coach is Adam St. Pierre. Uh, I've been working with him for a few years and he used to be a primarily ultra running coach under Jason Coop's group. Okay. Oh, yeah. 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 But he now is the the head cross country ski coach at Montana State University. Oh. That was his, his dream job. So he's actually primarily a cross country ski coach now. Mm. But he's hung on to a couple of ultra running athletes, myself included. So yeah, I really appreciate that Adam's been working with for the last few years and I definitely haven't plateaued. I'm still getting better every year. And definitely a lot of that's because of the training he's been giving me. Does he give you cross training of with Schemo or, or cross country Nordic? He does. Yeah. Last winter, I think, I think he was really hopeful that I was going to latch on to it. Yeah. He started, you know, easing me into doing some cross country ski interval workouts. I was skiing like maybe once or twice a week. Mm -hmm. There's a relatively close ski resort to Boulder, Eldora. Okay. 
that I could go to on, on a weekly basis at least. So I was doing workouts and those were pretty fun. <laughs> but then I signed up for a couple of races and man, I was terrible. <laughs> uh, I think I got 23rd place out of 38 racers in the, wow. in the 10, in the 10 K that I did. And so definitely yeah. a bunch of, uh, people twice my age and half my age were both going faster than me. <laughs> That's a whole lot of so that was, that was humbling. And I, and I was planning to do a couple more cross country ski races, but uh, after that experience, I was like, coach, I think I need to get better before I'm ready to do any racing on skis. <laughs> there you go. Work on some technique for mm -hmm. sure. So, so I'll definitely be doing some cross country ski workouts again this winter, but I'm not sure I'll actually do any racing. <laughs> <laughs> now we ask all of our American cousins this question, but when are you going to race in Canada? <laughs> when should I race in Canada? Yeah. What's, what's, what's the next one I should put on my list? I don't know what I'm doing next year other than well, definitely. States, so. Yeah. Well, you got to come to BC or Alberta because that'll get you prepped. Rockies. Let's see. Quebec is always good in the fall. Quebec's good in the fall. Very, very technical, rocky terrain. Yeah. Okay. But that sounds fun. Yeah. We've got a lot. If you check out um, Sinister Sports. Or if you want to do flat and fast, come to our one of our events. <laughs> right, okay. Right a lot of racing events are flat and fast. <laughs> I think you would enjoy out west. It would be fun. I wouldn't have to travel super far. I'm not like a huge traveler. I've actually never been to Canada, but oh, wow. even though I've you know been in the U.S. for 30 years, it's about time. <laughs> never been to Canada or Mexico. Neither wow. of the well, no. There you go. It's about time. <laughs> leave, leave the country a little bit more. Sure. We'd be happy to have you. <laughs> All right. Well, before we let you go, we like to do a little rapid fire at the end of our podcast just with some fun questions so if you don't mind we'll head right into that yeah it sounds fun okay name a tv show that you're embarrassed to say you watch say it i don't think i'm that i'm not that embarrassed <laughs> uh the great british breaking show is, <gasps> is the show is, is the show that i watch with my wife most love it <laughs> such a good show there's a canadian version of that and it's on right now actually yeah, it's very cute. It does inspire us to do some extra baking, especially. <laughs> For sure. Okay, a treadmill run or a minus 20s outside run? Oof, I'll go down to zero. If it's negative temps, I'm on a treadmill. Okay. And that's Fahrenheit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. So <laughs> wait, so minus, minus, so minus 20C would be 30, 36, something. Mm -hmm. uh, <sighs> That's yeah, tough, right? tough call. <laughs> I'm, I'm, that's the borderline, but I'm on a treadmill. Okay. <laughs> Are you superstitious? No. 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 Okay. Uh, favorite running song or genre? Maybe the, the I was born, baby, I was born to run. Oh, Bruce Springsteen. Oh, the boss. There yeah, you go. <laughs> Uh, what's the first thing you want to eat when you're done a long race or training session? Usually it's either like French fries, like some fried potatoes, mm. or oftentimes it's actually a salad. Really? My body knows that it's craving some vitamins. Mm. I will have specific cravings for salads after mm. long runs. Mm. Very good. Would you rather be a professional writer, painter, or musician? Musician sounds the most fun. You'd have to <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it was 16th century and then it would be painter, right? Because <laughs> you'd be a rock star. <laughs> yeah. All right, Norm. 
pick a superpower that you would like to have. Mind reading. Mm. Oh, yeah, of course. That's a good one. That's good in the game of poker. <laughs> or any yeah man there's so many virtual games of poker out there any negotiation yeah i don't think we've had that one i know we did did we yeah, yeah okay i like well, it actually jocelyn briggs said that oh did she yeah, yeah okay right <laughs> <laughs> all right jonathan this has been amazing thank you so much for sharing your time with us tonight and best of luck next year yeah thanks so much it's been fun great to meet you best of luck to god around racing too thank you thanks so much and say hello to megan for us <laughs> yeah please do <laughs> i definitely will share stories with with teammates at rmi meg morgan <laughs> we will get to run with western states again with that'd yeah that's yeah. so exciting that'd be good wow all right all the best thanks again yeah you as well okay thank you. cheers Have a great evening you late too. night <laughs> Right. <laughs> and that was Jonathan Ray from Boulder, Colorado, fresh off his win at Havelina 100. Breaking records there is going to be harder and harder. You have to be sub 13. Jeez. But he says, ah, why not? <laughs> well, like he said, there's places to save time and it's going to be more and more competitive as more people come to that race. And I really liked what he said about the UTMB story yeah exactly hit the for as a professional runner it would be nice that they all gather at one spot right to compete as a benchmark to uh, right and so that's what he feels that utmb could be right yeah his answer was very good all around yeah absolutely i agree with that Uh, for sure and you know what it's an ongoing discussion i don't think there's one right answer but hopefully we can find a median that will uh, work for everybody. Yeah, and hopefully he comes to Canada soon. <laughs> <laughs> but all the best at uh, next year, Western States. Yes. Come on, three times a charm. Let's go. Let's go. Let's g- I like how we said. You know what? I'm gonna go for. I'm gonna go for top three, podium, and hope to get top ten. Exactly. <laughs> that, exactly. Yeah, you gotta get the bench high to. And I hope he can channel the fire that he found at ccc knowing that he's competing against yes worldwide professional runners and look where it got him fourth place that's incredible incredible yeah yeah so very exciting yes very exciting all right and that concludes tonight so we'll see you next time we are your hosts jody and norman if you've enjoyed the show please leave us a rating and review on apple podcast or wherever you're listening Please visit our website, gotterunracing.com, for more details and join us on social media at Racing on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can support our channel by joining us on Patreon. All of the links can be found in the show notes. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Cheers.